Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hi guys, it's Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. Welcome to today's show. When the worst news comes to you and you're no longer needed at work, what do you do? Redundancy is one of the easiest levers for management to pull for cost cutting and it often has nothing to do with a person's performance, but its effects can be devastating. In today's show, we speak to a very switched on mentoree who made a redundancy plan complete with checklists, six months prior to the event happening. In 12 months' time between trading and consulting, she has created a life which is financially on par to her previous employment, but she now has time, freedom and flexibility. In today's interview, we find out how she did it. Maddie White has been trading the markets for 29 years and he's friends with stockbroker David Chia, who some of you already know. Maddie attended the one-day seminar with Louise and Chris, and we hear about his trading journey. But first, in today's show, let's talk to Chris Tate to find out what the world markets are doing for the week ending the 10th of November. Chris Tate, for a look at the markets, the S&P continues to perform. It does. Uh, This is one of the things about the American markets. It really becomes a little bit monotonous after a while. You just simply look at it and go, it's still going up. It's amazing, isn't it? But again, we shouldn't actually be amazed. This is the problem people run into. They have a value judgment about where, when, what markets should be doing as opposed to just simply going, it's going up. Let's talk about the All Ords, which is also at a 52-week high. That's interesting because it's actually made four successive 52-week highs in a row. And it hasn't done this since 2015. So it's been a very, very long time between drinks for our market. And I think the implication is that it's catching people unawares. We get locked into a way of thinking where we think, oh, the market's never going to go up again. So we have a, a narrative we apply And it's exactly the same problem that was encountered in the US. Ever since the GFC, there have been American commentators who've been sitting there going, it can't possibly go up. Well, guess what? It has and it did, and you've missed out. Uh, It's the same with the short-selling funds in the US, who for the past better part of a decade have attempted to short-sell the US market. Well, guess what? That hasn't worked very well, has it? Let's talk about other indices around the world that are performing as well. The issue here is, again, we've got a dichotomy, and the dichotomy comes into play when you look at the performance of our index versus other indices around town. If you look at our market for the last quarter, 
we're actually almost keeping pace with every other world indice. Look at us over a longer term time frame, say three, four years, and we're rubbish. And the intriguing thing, when I was looking at this last night, the best performing index over what the three-year period is actually the Nikkei, and it even outperforms the NASDAQ. And this is the interesting issue, is that all of a sudden over the past little while you've seen activity in the Asian indices and in Germany. But in, intriguingly enough, no, I shouldn't say intriguingly enough, not in the UK, because the UK seems to have adopted the same political management tools that they have in the US, i.e. they're run by a pack of idiots. Whereas the Americans are able to ignore their idiots, the English are caught up with their idiots. And so their market struggles. Fresh from being there on the island itself. Very much so. Opportunities you're looking at at the moment. I'm, intriguingly enough, my focus has swung back to domestic equities. Uh, in terms of commodities, for me, energy is flat. Uh, crude's plateaued at about 56 bucks which is probably reflective, once again, of its changing place in history and economics. I'm actually short gold at present in my short-term system, which I should declare. Uh, but the rest of the market is, is really much pretty boring, other than the opportunities that are sticking their head up in our market. Chris Tate, short and sweet, three-minute market wrap. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Caroline. Are you on priority notification for Chris Tate and Louise Bedford's next repeat for free mentor program? Well, you need to be. Register at tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. They'll teach you how to trade every instrument over every time frame. That's tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. Redundancy used to be a rare occurrence in the workplace. Someone who wasn't up to scratch was let go. But nowadays, good people are regularly made redundant for cost-cutting. And the effects can be psychologically and financially very hard on a family. Talking to a mentoree now, is this something that you've personally experienced or witnessed? Yeah, look, it, it absolutely is. I was made redundant 12 months ago from a job that I'd been in for over 10 years. Um it's one of the easiest levers for management to pull when they're looking at aggressive cost-cutting to maintain profits, and it has absolutely nothing to do with a person's performance or the worth of, of or their worth to the company. And in your friendship group, in the in the circles that you move in, is this something that you experience or witness a lot? Essentially, everyone within my circle of friends has been made redundant at least once over the last ten years. And I am mindful, I am in mining and it is quite a cyclical industry and has had a downturn. So when did you start planning for your for a redundancy? Around about six months before I was made redundant, I went on a leadership development course and one of the, one of the speakers who had previously done the course and was talking about their life since had literally been made redundant approximately six weeks beforehand. And the talk that she gave, Caroline, was one of the most emotional and raw speeches that I think I've ever been involved in. She was exceptionally honest and open about what she'd gone through. And look, to say that she was in shock would, would be putting it mildly. Um, she didn't see it coming. She hadn't planned for it. And as the main breadwinner in her small family, uh, it, it threw them into quite a, quite a lot of turmoil. How did she come out of that? She was still working her way through it when when she spoke to us, 
but the one thing that came out of that talk, and I'm, I'm essentially very grateful for her for being so honest and open with us, the one thing that came out of that was that I needed a redundancy plan. I needed to put some thought into what would happen if I was made redundant and essentially how I was going to cope. So tell us about your plan. What did it involve? It was it was quite a uh, it was quite a complex plan. When I finished, I went through a whole lot of um, questions in relation to the actual redundancy itself and whether it was a genuine redundancy or whether it was a, a, a severance package, um, how it was priced, what tax I paid. Um, and other services that the company would provide, such as outplacement, outplacement services, financial planning, etc. Um, I looked at our debt and I restructured that so that there was no cross collateralisation. So I went through, planned for that. Um, I looked at our annual spending. Um, I knew how much we needed to survive on a bare basic level, and I knew how much that we wanted to spend on a on a um on an ongoing basis it 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 was a very detailed plan um did you have a checklist i did i did i use a um a program called OneNote, and in that i covered everything that i wanted to ask at the actual exit interview then also looked at how much i should be paid out according to the company's policy what the actual statutory minimum was and really, having all that detail, Caroline, it just it, it took the emotion out of the conversation that I was having, and that's a really big thing. I knew yeah. what questions I needed to ask, and it, kind of, it gave me more of a feeling of control of the situation rather than just feeling helplessly lost, essentially. Yes, I can imagine. And what about with your husband and talking through the scenario with him? Look, it was a really, it was a really good exercise, not just on the redundancy front, but just on what we actually wanted our life to look like on a long-term and sustainable basis. So, if I was made redundant, what would our life look like twelve months after that? Um, did I want to go back into full-time work? Did I want to try some part-time consulting? Did I want to move more into trading? What was what was his thought process as well? Because you know, you're a couple and you need to make these decisions together. Did it bring you closer together? Uh, look, I think it did. And I think having had the conversation with him before I was made redundant, it it meant that there was no there was no awkwardness when I had to bring up the fact that I'd made, been made redundant. In fact, he laughed. <laughs> we planned for this. We know this one. <laughs> That's right. So, look, it did happen and you were in control and you'd made the plan and you were in a, a quite empowered space. But it can still be hard no matter how prepared you are. Good days, bad days, up and down. How do you go with the variation? Uh, look, I don't think you can avoid the ups and the downs. It is, it's, in a very, it's a very emotional time and as much as you can tell yourself that it actually isn't personal and it wasn't about you, it was about the company's requirements – it still feels very personal at the time and I don't think there is anything that you can do or anything that anyone can say that sort of takes that feeling away. I totally understand um, that. Yeah, yeah. Look, and the head of HR said to me during my exit interview that the, the ones who did the best after redundancy were the ones who looked at it as an opportunity um, and that's how I chose to look at it. It's a choice and I chose to look at it as an opportunity 
And because I'd done the planning and I knew what I wanted my life to look like 12 months down the track, I could actually, I could see it as an opportunity. Did it, it on some level would have had to have moved you out of your comfort zone and everything you had known? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you get very comfortable in your life. And even though you want to try new things, it's actually very hard to move outside that comfort zone, especially when it comes to job security. It takes a, it takes a lot of convincing. And I think the redundancy it took away it took away that thought process for me. I didn't have to consciously make a decision. It was made for me. <laughs> um, absolutely. And look, it was a good thing. It was absolutely, 12 months on, I can say to you, it was an absolute blessing. Okay, so tell us what has changed in a positive way in 12 months and how does trading fit into this picture? Look, 12 months on, I would say I'm earning a very similar amount through consulting work and through trading. Yep. Um, but with a lifestyle that fits my personality far better. I work from home part-time um, and I've got the time and the freedom to pursue trading, which I didn't have before. And I've got flexibility and freedom, which both of which are very important to me and I didn't have prior to the redundancy. Absolutely. And tell us just a little bit more about trading before we finish. How's it going for you? Good, good. I was very conscious in the beginning not to make any changes to the trading plan that I had in place and not to trade when I was emotional. <laughs> yeah. And trading, you shouldn't be emotional. Um, and I didn't, so I didn't change my trading plan for around about six months. And then I started looking at uh, my trading plan in terms of having both a wealth creation plan but also a shorter term income generation plan which we need at which the moment is something in the markets <laughs> we do we do the markets have not have they've not been good for long-term traders which is sort of the, the wealth creation side um and you know it turned out perfectly actually because chris chris and louise had a seminar which was it was incredibly well timed um and that made me sit down and actually put a plan in place in terms of what I wanted to do for that sort of shorter term trading. Um, very similar to my longer term plan, just different time frames and different instruments. It has been so wonderful to speak with you, with your candor, your honesty and showing a bit of vulnerability there. Thank you, Caroline. And look, if there's one thing that I'd like to leave with the listeners is plan like you don't need it. But if you do need it, it is seriously being able to flick open that checklist and take the emotion out of the conversations to even to know who to call afterwards to get the emotional support that you're going to need. It's well worth the hours that you'll spend coming up with a plan. You're a champion. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Caroline. Hello, I'm Darrell Guppy. I'm the inventor of the Guppy Multiple Moving Average and I listen to Talking Trading. It gives me some edges in the current market. Maddie White, the humble and groovy stylist from South Yarra. Hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Thank you very much. Maddie, tell us about your trading journey. How long have you been trading? I think about 29 years. I met a guy next door to my house when I moved in. His name was David Cheer. Uh, we ended up being very good friends. We had a lot in common. 
We uh, shared a few good concerts together. We went and saw Nirvana together, which was an amazing thing. And uh, he introduced me to uh, a book and also to trading, and he also became my stockbroker. So uh, that's how I sort of started. David Chi is a great guy. Yeah, I think he's a pretty awesome fellow. Lucky to have him as a friend. Okay, so that's 29 years. That's an entire generation, you realise. So we'll just put that in the box for the moment and we'll just go straight to the one-day course you did with Chris and Louise. What did you learn from it? I walked away from the one-day course, um, you know, with a lot of confidence um, to implement a new system that Chris and Louise taught us. I had a new new system to test, which I could implement immediately, which was exciting because I could adapt it and implement it into my current trading strategies. The knowledge gave me the confidence to uh, implement immediately and made a couple of new friends at the course, which was great. I've caught up with one of them for coffee already. And um, I really enjoyed the community through the trading forum that was set up uh, shortly after the one-day course, and that has been very helpful, especially um, in confirming all the system rules and uh, talking about problems we were having or not having. Uh, and we've shared all sorts of other things on that forum, which has been tremendous because, as you know, a community's pretty important when you work in trading in isolation. Yes. So how's your trading performance now? How did it change as a result of the one-day course? Okay, um, we've gotten back into the markets uh, full-time as a business um, after paying a lot of school fees and um, uh, it was exciting and I was enthusiastic to implement the new trading knowledge that I gained um, and the performance um, so far since that day, we've um, secured three uh, large gains mm. and we've also got uh, five more gains, five more shares that we've um, purchased. They currently going to bear fruit, so we're very happy with uh, the performance so far. It's um, off to a good start. Of course, we've had a few small losses, but um, that's inevitable part of doing business in the markets. That's good going. Yep, uh, it's like I said, you know, it's that confidence that you get from going to an excellent course where you have information you can use immediately. So you've been trading 29 years, which is a generation. Let's talk about just for fun, just out of interest, because it is the question that everyone wants to hear. Out of those 29 years, what was the worst mistake you've made trading? Well, it's a big one. It'll probably take a little bit of explanation. But um, for those of you out there that um, remember the tech wreck, I was embroiled in that. I had lost probably about half of my trading capital um, seven days after the tech bubble collapsed, which was a substantial um, loss to us. Uh, I found that loss paralyzed um, Uh, my ability to exit my positions. So I sort of became psychologically paralyzed by the event. And, you know, this has probably been up to date my biggest lesson and also my best lesson Hmm. in the markets because 
I didn't have a trading uh, strategy for risk management, and of course I do now, and um, I had no plan that protected my capital. So I had to deal with the reality of um, uh, fixing that problem and also having to make 100% to get back to a break-even position and put my um, equity curve back to where it was. And that, that was an enormous sort of battle, sort of trying to get my head around that. What's the best trade you've had? Uh, the best trade uh, was probably with my friend David uh, when he was um, acting as my broker. Uh, we did a short-term um, futures straddle and I hadn't ever done a futures trade. It was probably my last futures trade, if I remember correctly, because I received con notes saying that I'd lost uh, quite a substantial amount of money, but because it was a straddle position, I'd also gained a substantial amount of money on that futures uh, contract. <laughs> and I, I, I was panicking because we, we'd seemed to have lost so much, but in actual fact, it was probably our best gain that I remember. <laughs> and we doubled our money. So that was um, fantastic once I got my head around what a straddle was because that was my first exposure to that. So that was um, scary and exciting all at the same time. Let's talk about some of your psychological growth. What's the best What's the best part of the psychological growth that you've had so far in 29 years? Probably, probably I guess, the idea of or the notion of um, responsibility. I, I Now one of my personal you know, policies is is to. I don't really have a place in this, the the um, stock market or markets in general unless I adhere to a strict risk management system, because that pretty much protects me psychologically, um, emotionally, physically, and in terms of my capital, it it, it protects me. So uh, that's probably been my best growth because that stops a whole lot of you know sabotage and and um, any sort of deeper problems occurring now before we started going to air we were talking about the slight edge which is one of your favorite books let's talk about that and why it is one of your favorite books okay so the slight edge for me was given um, given to me at the salon one day by a good friend of mine benjamin stewart and uh you know, we're always talking about business and ideas with business. And I found after reading the book, I've read it several times now, and I sort of, how it's manifested in me is uh, it has a lot of very handy, simple sort of, I guess, tricks or hacks, life hacks that you can carry around with you sort of in your psychological back pocket. And Such as? Of, well, plants grow harvest. <laughs> one of the core principles of the book and um mundane uh, and and that's right and and all things you know it's like that that song from where little things big things grow mm. and um it's a it's a very simple sort of concept but of course like compound interest the the um, jeff olson technology of the slight edge seems to compound inside you and um uh you know little decisions that you make to do things properly, you know, if it's your trading system or to, to um, you know, reassess things in your life. Um, from that point, you know, the compound effect of that down the track, I guess, is why, you know, I enjoy so much happiness in my life now. The so humble but 
groovy stylist. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Maddie, what did you like about how Chris and Louise presented their trading education to people on the one-day course? Okay, so one of the simple things is I felt they were very humble in their approach. They realised that there was a, 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 a sort of range of experiences in the room from people who were at the beginning point, the middle, and people that have been, you know, obviously through the mentor program and were repeating their training at that course. So I felt they spoke uh, quite accurately to all different levels that were in the room. That is always very exciting because, you know, often you'll turn up to something and it's it's underwhelming or it's it's not appropriate. And I felt the experience level between Chris and Louise was um, pretty much covered all bases there. What I learned at that one-day workshop was very useful. It helped me plug it into my systems at home straight away, and it allowed me to be playful, which is also very exciting, especially if you get bogged down, you know, doing your own routine all the time. It's always nice to try and do something new and learn something new and uh, have a little bit of fun with it, which I, I found was very easy. Um, and also, they answered everyone's questions uh, very respectfully, I think. Uh, again, some questions were very simple and some I didn't understand. I, I you know, I was quite thankful people asked those questions. I like, I'd never thought about that. So that was, you know, that was exciting. And um, I learned a lot. And uh, I could tell I'd learned a lot because I was absolutely exhausted after the day. So <laughs> uh, my head was pounding and I was excited, but, you know, I needed a, a good double espresso when I got home just to wake up. Probably my most memorable part of the course or bit of the course was um, Chris Tate's sense of humour. He's he's just got a awesome dry sense of humour. Um, you know, I wasn't quite sure sometimes whether he was joking or not. It was... It, it, um, it sometimes took me off balance, but I really enjoyed it. I didn't know I was going to get a show for the, the day as well. So there was a bit of stand-up comedy, and um, it was wonderful. Maddie White, the grooviest stylist in South Yarra. I can see a lot of mentorees going to your salon to get their hair looking good. Thank you so much for coming on to Talking Trading. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. And stay tuned next week, guys. We have a very special interview with another market wizard, Trader Vic, Victor Sperandio, all the way from Texas, talking about his trading journey. I'm Caroline Stephen. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary, and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.